Daniel's guitar over this week. After last week's near disaster. Hopefully this week I'll keep away from it. Uh, on your chair you've got a bulletin and on the uh, flip side of the bulletin is the outline uh, for this morning as we're looking at Psalm 49. So 30 years ago, last Thursday, I received my GCSE results. I was 16. I know I don't look old enough to be 30 years plus 16, but it's true. It was 1989. This was the year the, of the Hillsborough disaster. The Berlin Wall came down. Sky TV started. Home and Away. You ever watch Home and Away? Who was alive in 1989? Put your hand up if you were alive in... Oh, it's, that's so depressing. Okay, just, just look around and see those of you who haven't got their hands up, just to depress you this morning. Put your hand up if you weren't alive in 1989. Oh, look, just look at that. Just look around. That's terrible. How can you have a beard and, and not be born in... And not, how's that possible? It's just unbelievable. You know, inflation was 7.8%. Interest rates were an eye-watering 14.8%. Anybody able to pay their mortgage if the interest rate was 14%? Not many of us. Petrol cost 38p a litre. Oh, imagine, imagine such a thing. The average house price in London was £89,000 in 1989. Today it's over a million. My GCSE results were as follows. Stand back. <laughs> 1A, 2Bs. Three C's. Not great. Not bad, considering I only attended on average about three days a week for uh, my last two years in my GCSEs. I hated school, and my mum fell for the lie every day that I wasn't feeling very well. <laughs> physics was my greatest achievement. I got an F. F for physics. I slept through physics for two years. My friend Ben and I, do you remember a, a, a graph paper? You know, a little graph paper, the boxes? We used to play boxes in physics. That's what we did for two years, pretty much. Um, that's why I got an F. This week, hundreds of thousands of 16-year-olds got their GCSE results. Some of them are here today. Some of them are away. And uh, thousands of 18-year-olds got their A-level results the week before. So well done to all of you here today who got uh, your GCSE results and uh, received your exam results over the last few weeks. Naomi, Matthew, Toby, Daniel, Alistair, and Abigail, well done to all of you. We celebrate your achievements, or perhaps the achievements of parents who kept you studying and kept you in the, um, in the race throughout that. It's great. It's good to celebrate, even though lots of them are actually away today. It's good to celebrate uh, achievements, isn't it? And it's good to give thanks when, uh, particularly those of us who are parents, can now lie down in a dark room for a few weeks and recover from the stress of GCSEs and A-levels. Everybody wants to be successful, don't they? Everybody wants to be successful. Success is what we all want, isn't it? Success is everything in life. Everybody wants to be successful. But what is success? We, we tell our kids, don't we, work hard at school so that they can get good grades. Why? So that they can get a good job. Why? So that they can earn lots of money. That's what we tell our kids here in the UK. That's the, the message. That's the mantra. Success in the UK today equals a good education, a good degree, a good job, a nice house, and a nice car. That's how success is defined by most people in the UK today, even many Christians. But what is more important? Is it success or is it wisdom? What is more important, success, however you define success, success 
or wisdom. The Bible says this, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. According to the Bible, wisdom, and we're going to look at what wisdom means, wisdom is better and more important than success. I'm so pleased for those of you who've done, we- who've done well this week and in previous weeks and in previous years, and for those of you who'll be taking GCSEs next year and in the years to come, we want you to do well. We want you to, to get good grades. So absolutely. I'm so pleased for you. It's good to work hard at school, don't get me wrong. And we should work hard in our jobs. And we should celebrate hard work and we should reward success. But more important than success is wisdom. More important than success is wisdom. Psalm 49, we're working our way through some psalms during the summer uh, period here at Regent. Psalm 49 is a wisdom psalm. The psalms were the songs of the people of Israel. It was their kind of hymn book, if you like. And we still sing lots of them here at church. Uh, Quite a lot of them uh, are in our uh, uh, song system and so on, and, and we sing them. But Psalm 49 isn't a song that the people of Israel sang to God. We tend to think of psalms as being songs of praise and worship to God. But actually, Psalm 49 is a song, but it's not a song that they sang to God. It was a song that they sang to each other because it was a wisdom psalm. There's lots of different kinds of psalms, and this is called a wisdom psalm. And whilst we might not sing Psalm 49 to each other, we should read it to one another. I'm not going to sing it to you this morning. You'll be relieved. Bob is looking very relieved at that. I'm not going to sing it to you. Everyone should be thankful for that. But we should read it to one another. That's what it's meant for. And not as a song of praise to God, but to challenge and encourage each other, to make each other think. It's wisdom. Paul says this in Ephesians. He says, be filled with the Spirit, speak to one another with what? With psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are not just things that we sing to God. They are, but actually they're also ways of speaking to one another and challenging each other and encouraging each other as we sing them and as we speak them out. Psalms are partly there for us to instruct and encourage one another. So we're going to read Psalm 49 in a moment. Don't worry, again, I'm I'm not going to sing it to you, but I do want want to read it to you. And as we read it, let's, let's just open our hearts to God, to the Holy Spirit, to speak to us, to challenge us, to hopefully as well encourage us this morning. I'm reading it to you guys who've received your exam results this week. I'm reading it to you, but I'm also reading it to every one of us here today, to myself, to you to all of us, so that we can be wise. The aim of this psalm is to read it to one another so that we take on wisdom, that we become wise, because wisdom is more important than success. It's not wrong to be successful in the eyes of this world, but wisdom is more valuable and wisdom is more important. So let's read Psalm 49. If you've got a Bible, uh, you can turn and just read it uh, along as I read it out. If you haven't, that's fine. You can just listen as I read it to you. Hear this, all you peoples, listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The utterance from my heart will give understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches? No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. 
that he should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that wise men die, the foolish and the senseless alike perish and leave their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. But man, despite his riches, does not endure. He's like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. Like sheep, they're destined for the grave, and death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions. But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. Do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor will not descend with him. Though while he lived, he counted himself blessed, and men praise you when you prosper, he will join the generation of his fathers who will never see the light of life. A man who has riches without understanding is like the beasts that perish. Psalm 49 starts with these words, with the kind of introduction explaining what the psalmist is about to say. He says this, Hear this, all you peoples, listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The utterance from my heart will give understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. So this is a psalm, in other words, that everybody needs to hear. It's meant for everybody. Doesn't matter whether we're successful or not, doesn't matter whether we're powerful or not, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, whether we are just somewhere in between. It's, it's, it's a song, it's accompanied by a harp, and it's all about wisdom and being wise. And right at the heart of it is a proverb. In fact, the proverb is, is sort of repeated and, and altered slightly. Right at the heart of it is a proverb, a wise saying that we're really meant to focus on. So what is the wisdom of this psalm? What is the wisdom that the psalmist wants us to get a hold of? What's the proverb that this wise saying that we're meant to focus on? Well, the writer of the psalm says that he will expound or explain his riddle, his wisdom psalm. So what does he say as he expounds it, as he explains it? What does he say? What is it all about? Look at verse 5. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches? That's not always the case, but sometimes those who are wealthy become so caught up with their wealth that they can become dishonest. In the effort to get wealthy or to keep their riches, they become dishonest and start fiddling taxes or they start cheating people and deceiving people. And they trust in their wealth and they boast about their riches. And those who are poor or less well-off or those who are on the receiving end of their dishonesty and their kind of rise to wealth and their abuse of their abuse of that wealth, they can feel intimidated. They can feel cheated. They can feel envious. They can feel angry that people have got rich and successful and powerful at their expense or at the expense of others. And as we look around the world, many, many rich people, not everybody, but many, many people who become really rich often do so at the expense of other people. I don't know about you, but it's easy to become envious. It certainly is for me or angry at the wealth of some people. Not to be angry at other people's wealth, but sometimes the obscene wealth that we see in the world. Especially when we see the injustices that often go hand in hand with that extreme wealth. And maybe one of the things that we become afraid of is that we won't have enough money. Because the world is always telling us we need more. We need to earn more. We need to get more. We need to make sure we've got enough. And the real risk is that we become afraid of not having enough. 
Like the, this verse says that we're afraid of those evil days coming when we won't have enough money because we haven't got a good enough job or we haven't got a job at all or I might lose my job. Well, the writer of this psalm is saying, look, don't think like that. Don't get sucked into that way of thinking. Don't be afraid of not having enough or don't be afraid as having as much as other people. Why? Well, look at verse 10. For all can see that wise men die. The foolish and the senseless alike perish and leave their wealth to others. So it doesn't matter if you're wise. It doesn't matter whether you're foolish and senseless. Everybody will one day die. The people that pursue wealth and riches, the psalmist calls them foolish, they will face death just like everybody else. And then when they die, they'll end up leaving everything that they've had in this life and somebody else will get it. All of that wealth, all of those uh, riches will be left and somebody else will get it. Sometimes when, when someone dies, one of the questions we ask is, did they leave much? How much did they leave? Well, you know, the reality is that they left everything because we can't take it with us when we go. It doesn't matter how much we amass in this life. It doesn't matter how well off a person goes. It all gets left behind when we die. We can't take it with us beyond death. The writer says in verse 11, their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they, had, uh, though they had named lands after themselves. When they die, and everybody will because everyone does, they won't be in big fancy houses. Their houses will be their tombs. You can have the biggest house in the world. You could be so rich that cities and lands are named after you, and, and that is the case of some places around the world, isn't it? They're named after the people who, who founded them, who were, who were rich at that time. It doesn't matter how powerful or rich you are, you will still die. And then what use is your big house? What use is all that success? What use is all that fame? It's of no use then whatsoever. And verse 12 says this, but man, despite his riches, does not endure. He's like the beasts that perish. So you can be the most successful person in the world. You can, be, you can be rich beyond your imagination, but no one lives forever. Despite all a person's wealth, they will die just like the animals. And you often see, don't you, the rich and famous spending loads of money trying to put off that day when they die, trying to keep themselves looking younger, having surgery and all that kind of stuff, putting off the inevitable but the reality is you can have the biggest bank balance in the world, but the one thing everybody has in common is that we will all die. Verse 13 says, This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. Like sheep, they're destined for the grave, and death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions. The fate of those that have trusted in themselves and have pursued success is the grave, just like everybody else. Death leads them to the grave, just like a shepherd leads sheep. And death consumes them because it consumes everybody. They might have been rich, they might have been successful, they might have been powerful, but their bodies will decay in the grave and their fancy houses will be lived in by somebody else. And within a few years of dying, they'll be forgotten about and life moves on. So don't pursue what the world calls success. That's part of the message of this psalm. Don't run after what this world defines as being success. And don't be envious of other people's success. Don't be frightened of what you might feel is your lack of so-called success. Don't, don't rate yourself. Don't rank yourself. Don't uh, value yourself based on this world's success. And if you're angered and if you're outraged by the injustices of this world and the way in which some, not all, but some rich people abuse the poor, 
and maybe even you feel abused and taken advantage of, then remember these words of James in the New Testament. This is a real strong passage that James gives us. He says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. God sees everything. God sees the injustice. God sees the, the outrage sometimes that we see around us. And he sees those injustices and one day he will put it right. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. There are great injustices out there. And some of us, perhaps, some of you are maybe on the receiving end of those. I don't know. That, of course, doesn't mean that we shouldn't take a stand against injustice in our lives. And if we are able to, within the situations that we find ourselves to make a difference in this world, we should. That's part of God's kingdom standards, reaching out into this world. But, you know, for so many people in the world today, and for so many followers of Jesus, so many Christians, they're unable to do anything about the injustices they see because they have no power, they have no influence. And it's a great comfort, isn't it, to know that Jesus is coming to rule. And that one day Jesus will come and judge this world and, and judge and rule this world in righteousness. And so for those who have no voice, those who are powerless, to know that Jesus is coming. Be patient then, my brothers and sisters, for the Lord is coming. Despite the exploitation, despite the injustices that we might see around us. So verse 16 says, do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendor of his house increases. For he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor will not descend with him. Though while he lived, he counted himself blessed, and men praise you when you prosper, he will join the generation of his fathers who will never again see the light of life. So don't be seduced by the bright lights. Whether you are older or whether you've just done your exams or whether you're going to be doing exams in a few years' time, don't be seduced by those bright lights. Yes, we should work hard at school. Work hard at school. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with the parents who want the kids to work hard at school. Absolutely. So that you can get the best grades you can. Absolutely. And yes, we should work hard in our jobs. But don't be fooled into thinking that what the world calls success should be our goal. Because everything we achieve and earn and own in this life, it all goes back in the box when we die. And in fact, we go back in a box when we die. Don't envy the rich, don't envy the successful, and try to get their wealth by whatever means that might be, dishonest means, or by working for it ourselves, or even political means. Don't envy the, the rich. Jesus said these words, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So don't fall for the the lie of what is so-called success in this life. 
And don't fall for the lie of materialism. It's not wrong to be wealthy. That's not what I'm saying. It's not wrong to be successful. It's not wrong to do well at school or uni or at work. We should work hard at school. We should work hard in our jobs. And one of the outcomes may well be that we do well financially. But what's important is that we have wisdom. Verse 20, which is the proverb or the wise saying that the writer wants us to focus on. Verse 20 says this, A man who has riches without understanding is like the beasts that perish. So it's not the riches that are the issue. It's the lack of understanding, the lack of wisdom. A man who has riches without understanding, without wisdom, is like the beasts that perish. Understanding or wisdom, as this psalm also puts it, is what really counts. Wisdom and understanding is what really matters in life. And wisdom isn't something you get when you've lived a long time. People often think, you know, an old person is wise. I will be wise as I get older. That's not true. That's not biblical wisdom. Wisdom is there for the taking for all of us because the Bible is wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. And we're going to look a bit more in a moment what wisdom is. But wisdom isn't something that we have to wait until we're 50 or 60 or 70. It doesn't come with gray hair or or a bald head, as you can see. Wisdom is something that is in our grasp. Whether you are 10, whether you are 20, or whether you are 80, wisdom is right there in front of us. Wisdom is something we can take, we can embrace. It's a choice that we make. The book of Proverbs in the Bible is all about wisdom and gaining wisdom and living by wisdom. And Proverbs 1 verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So how do we get wisdom? How do we get knowledge that counts? It starts and begins when we fear the Lord, when we fear God. The fool despises wisdom. In other words, the fool despises God, but the wise person is the one who fears God. If you want to be smart in this world, in this world, it's all about success and so on. Being smart, being wise in God's eyes is to fear him, is to stand in awe of him. And it's not talking about fear in terms of being frightened. This, doesn't, this isn't asking us to be afraid of God. It's about standing in awe of who God is, recognizing that he's God and we're just tiny human beings. Standing in awe of him. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. That's the stand in fear of God. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in the Bible in Colossians 2, verses 2 to 3. He says, he wants us to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, the riches that really matter are not silver and gold, Being truly rich in God's eyes is when we've come to know and understand what the Bible calls God's mystery. And God's mystery is how the Bible refers to the great plan that God has revealed to us in the Bible. And God's great plan that he's revealed to us is the person of Jesus. God's mystery is the Lord Jesus. It's in Jesus that we find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is wisdom. Knowing Jesus is true treasure and wealth. Trusting in Jesus is real wisdom. So there's nothing wrong with physical riches as long as we have wisdom because wisdom wisdom makes us spiritually rich and that's what really matters. Wisdom gives us the riches that really matter, the riches that go on beyond death. There's nothing wrong with riches as long as we have wisdom and understanding. That's part of the message of this psalm. And wisdom and understanding, write this on your outline, wisdom and understanding simply boiled down means to fear God and to trust in Jesus. 
Wisdom and understanding means to fear God and to trust in Jesus. We can have all of the riches of this world, but it all goes back in the box when we die. We can take nothing with us. But wisdom and understanding, fearing God and trusting in Jesus, that does last. That is of eternal value. So why is wisdom and understanding more important than success and physical riches? Well, look at verses 7 to 9. This is the verses we've looked at already this morning through communion. No one... Sorry, no man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough that he should live on forever and not see decay. See, every person that has ever lived has sinned and has come short of God's perfect standard, God's glory. And because God has decreed that the punishment for our sin is death, then we have a problem. If we're going to avoid death and live forever, then somebody needs to pay the price for our sins. Someone needs to pay the ransom price for our lives and set us free. When you pay a ransom, it's when someone's been kidnapped and you go and you pay the ransom free to set them free. Well, we are, if you like, kidnapped by sin. We're slaves to sin, the Bible says. We're slaves to the power of sin and to the result of sin, which is death. And if you want to be set free from that, somebody needs to pay a big cost, a big price, a big ransom. But no amount of money that any human being can ever get will ever be enough to pay that price, to set us free to pay the ransom price. Nobody can free us from death. No one's rich enough to do that. Nobody can pay to God the price of a human life. The price is too costly for any human being. So you can be as successful as you like. You can be the richest person in the world, but it won't sort out your greatest problems. And your greatest problems, our greatest problems, are sin and death. There's nothing wrong with being rich. That's not what I'm saying. But what we really need to be is wise. We need wisdom, because wisdom means that we fear God and we've trusted in Jesus. And so if we have wisdom, if we fear God, if, we've, if we're trusting in Jesus, then God will deal with our problems. God then deals with sin and death. We can't pay the price. Nobody else can do it for us. Nobody can pay what really matters. People can, pay, people can buy whole countries. Donald Trump tried to buy Greenland, didn't he, this week, I think. People can buy the, the, you know, the amazing things, but no matter how much wealth you have, you can't buy your eternal life. You can't buy a human life. We can't pay that ultimate cost. We can't pay the price. No one else can do it for us, but God can. Look at verse 15. But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. If we're wise and we fear God and we trust in Jesus, then God himself will pay that price. God himself redeems us from the grave. God himself will pay the price for our sins, to deal with our sins and set us free from being slaves to sin and set us free from the punishment for sin, which is death and hell and eternal separation from God. How does he do that? He does that through Jesus. And as we've thought this morning, as we've taken bread and wine, we've remembered, haven't we, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, God paying the price to himself to set us free, the price that we couldn't pay. God paid the price when Jesus, God in in the flesh, came down and lived on this earth, took the punishment there as he died on the cross, took the punishment for our sins, paid the price that we couldn't pay. We will still all die, but the grave is no longer our final resting place if we have wisdom, if we've trusted in God, if we fear God and have trusted in Jesus. God will take us to be with him forever if we've trusted in Jesus. That's real wisdom. 
So wealth cannot redeem us from death. Wealth, wealth can't buy eternal life, and we can't take our wealth with us when we die. So don't pursue success. Don't run after a great education and a great job and a great house and a great car. Instead, pursue Jesus. Run after Jesus. What did Jesus say? Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all the other stuff will be added to you as well. Don't worry about that. Let that take care of itself. Pursue God. Pursue Jesus. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Pursue wisdom because the wise person fears God and trusts in Jesus. And don't envy others who are more successful than you are because what really matters is wisdom. People who have riches but have no understanding or or, or wisdom are just like all the animals that they die. And if whilst you're being wise and focusing on living for Jesus, you happen to do well at school and at at college and, and in your job, that's great. Good for you. Fantastic. But don't make that your focus. Everybody's going to die. But no one can take their wealth with them. Within a few years of dying, all our names are forgotten about. Certainly within a generation or two, we're just ancient history. Unless you're sad like me and Bob and do our family history. Everybody else has forgotten about you. Nobody else is interested in you. So don't envy the the wealth or the success of others. And and don't focus on success. Instead, focus on being wise. In other words, fear God and trust in Jesus. You know, God doesn't want you to be smart. He wants you to be wise. Smart people get good grades and sometimes end up rich. Wise people fear God and trust in Jesus and sometimes get good grades. God doesn't want you to be smart. He wants you to be wise. Smart people get good grades, sometimes end up rich. Wise people fear God and trust in Jesus and sometimes get good grades. Maybe this morning that you've never reached that point in your life where you've bowed down, where you've embraced wisdom and and, and begun to fear God, where you've bowed down and you've put your trust in Jesus. You've yet to embrace wisdom, real wisdom. Instead, you're trying to be successful. And you're trying to chase after wealth and status and recognition. If I just have these clothes, that car, that house, that job, that title, that qualification, then I'll be successful. And there's nothing wrong in in, in and of themselves with those things. But we don't get our identity in those things. We get our identity in Jesus. None of that will matter at all when we die. Because we'll leave it all behind us and we'll stand before God empty-handed. We want to stand before God, don't we, with wisdom, knowing that we've embraced wisdom, we've trusted in Jesus. Can I challenge you today, if you've never done that, if you've never taken that step of humbling yourself and embracing wisdom, in other words, fearing God and trusting in Jesus, then can I challenge you and encourage you to to make that choice, to bow down before God, to put your trust in Jesus, to to do what you can't do for yourself, to, to save you from your sin, to give you eternal life, to give you forgiveness. And if that's something that you've never done but you want to do, then by all means, please do chat with me afterwards. I'll be delighted to chat with you further. Many of us, perhaps most of us here today, have at some point or other taken that step. But it's so easy, isn't it? Maybe I'm the only person who finds this, but it's so easy to, to, to have done that, to be a follower of Jesus, and yet to be deceived into focusing on human success. Even within Christian ministry, in the kind of position that I find myself in, it's so easy to pursue what we think It's biblical things, and actually what we're aiming for is human success. 
Everything out there in the world is screaming at us to focus on human success. Get good grades, get a good education, get a good job, get a big house, get a great car. And if you don't manage that, then you are a failure. That's what the world screams at us all the time, isn't it? But God is gently whispering to us to be wise. He's gently whispering to us to focus on wisdom and understanding, to fear God and to trust in Jesus. God is gently whispering, that still small voice, whispering for us to be wise, to put our lives into living for God. And as we choose to do that, we may or may not be a success in this world's eyes, but we will be wise in God's eyes. And it's wisdom that God wants us to have. Let's just take a few moments to to pause and reflect. What What is the Holy Spirit saying to each one of us this morning? That still small voice is whispering into your heart. If, if God is speaking to you this morning, what, what is he saying? What does he want you to do? That might be different for all of us, different ways, different things. If you've yet to bow down before God and trust in Jesus, then why not take that step this morning? If you've been foolishly pursuing success at the expense of wisdom, then can I encourage you this morning to just recorrect and rebalance and refocus on wisdom this morning. Fearing God, trusting in Jesus, living for him, pursuing Jesus. Father, we thank you that though we are powerless uh, and bankrupt to be able to pay the price to rescue our lives from sin and death and hell, we thank you that the Lord Jesus paid that price for us. Thank you that you redeem our lives from the grave and take us to be with you. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for forgiveness for eternal life that is ours and can be ours in Jesus. Father, forgive us when we are seduced by this world and we're often without realizing it, we're deceived and we begin to run after other things. Help us to be wise, we pray. Father, if you do bless us with wealth and influence and standing in this world's eyes, help us to be wise as we use that. Help us to have riches with understanding, riches with wisdom, that we might use that well, that we might steward what you give to us well. Help us to be those who are wise. Help us to be those who pursue you fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Be our vision. Be the one that we think on. Be our all in all. Be the one that we focus on, we pray. Not riches, not man's empty praise, but be the one, Lord Jesus, will you be our vision? Will you be the one that we focus on day by day? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.